Good morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Mark, and I serve as the pastor here at our Syracuse campus. And I am excited to be here with you guys today to get into this message. This has been an awesome series we've been going through. Um, we're calling it, if you guys have been here the last few weeks, we're calling it In Case You Missed It. And what this, this is, is we're actually going through a lot of different stories throughout the Old Testament. Um, and it's not that these aren't stories that you may have missed, but what it is is that, you know, a lot of these are really well-known stories, but sometimes we just kind of miss a few things when we're reading these. Uh, sometimes they're just kind of odd stories. Some of them are pretty weird. I mean, Balaam and his talking donkey, that, that's a pretty odd story, right? Uh, I don't know that any of us can read that story now without thinking of the movie Shrek and hearing the voice of Chris Rock. Uh, I know I do that every time I read that story now. Um, but, but what we're really trying to point out here is that while some of these stories seem strange um, or they just seem really kind of fantastic, um, there's, there's a purpose to all these stories. God's trying to tell us something. He puts everything in his word for a reason. And so we've been trying to kind of pick out things that you may have missed when you've read these stories before. And, and I know that there have been a lot of things that we've talked about that, that I kind of think I missed. Um, and so hopefully you guys have been enjoying this series as much as I have. Um, and I actually, I, I just want to, I actually want to go back and talk about uh, uh, Trigg's baptism really quick because that, that was a lot of fun for me, and I, like Lori said, I wanted, I wanted to be able to show that here because our campus missed out on that because they did it at this, this fusion event, and I've gotten to watch Trigg grow up. Um, he was in kids' church basically teaching me as, you know, a young boy how to, how to do kids' church because I was pretty inept at that, but uh, he was the one always up there willing to lead songs and everything, and, and now just seeing him, him grow up and make that awesome decision uh, it's just a lot of fun to see. And so uh, thank you guys for sharing that video with us and that we could share that with all of you guys. Um, so today's message, today's message, I think, is going to be extremely relatable to all of us. And that's because today's story is going to, it's going to show some people that are going through a pretty difficult time. Now, if you are a human being at all, if you live in this world, you know exactly what it means to go through a hard time. Every single one of us have experienced difficulties in our lives. We've all gone through hard times, um, and that's just part of living in this broken world that we do, right? That's, uh, and then sometimes when we're going through these times, we even question, right? No matter how faithful we are, we might be believers, we might have a strong faith, but when we go through these hard times, it's difficult not to question God through it. It's difficult to question, is God really in this moment, is he really doing something in this situation. And I hope that what you take away today from this story that we're going to talk about is that God is faithful and he's got, he's got a plan for everything, okay? And today's story, we're going to be talking about Elijah and the widow. And I'm sure a lot of you have probably heard this story. Maybe some of you haven't. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting story. Um, if you have your Bible with you and you want to follow along, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17, now, before we get into it, I want to share a little bit of background about what's going on before we dive in, okay? So, um, this, during this time, um, this is when, for those of you who might know, uh, Israel was basically divided into two different kingdoms, okay? There was the northern kingdom 
the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. The king of the northern kingdom, his name was Ahab. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, what the Bible actually says is he was one of the most, most evil kings that Israel ever had. In fact, if you go back and read in chapter 16, before getting into 17, it actually says that Ahab did more to provoke the anger of the Lord more than any of the other kings of Israel before him. So uh, Ahab, not a great king, pretty evil king. Um, he also marries this pagan woman named Jezebel. And together they really lead the nation of Israel. They, they lead them completely astray. Okay? They get them worshiping false gods and idols. And, and it's, they're, just, they're really, really bad for the people. Now Elijah... Elijah was actually a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. Now what a prophet typically is, what a prophet, a prophet typically does, is usually they're, they're called to call people back into repentance, back into obedience to the Lord. And we're going to see that that's what Elijah's role is here. So Elijah's calling them back into obedience. He's calling the king back into obedience to the Lord. And Ahab doesn't like that very much. He's not a fan. He's, he's worshiping these false gods and idols, he and Jezebel, and they're leading these people. They're building up these, these altars and, and just all these horrible things. So that's where we're at as we get into chapter 17, okay? Now, our first point that I want us to, to kind of take away, this first takeaway is uh, sometimes God lets us go through lean times, but he always has a purpose. Okay, Elijah... He was God's appointed prophet. He was a faithful servant. But as we read, we're going to see that even God allowed him to go through some pretty lean times, to suffer some real difficulties. So let's start reading in verse 2 of chapter 17. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. See, because he served the Lord faithfully, and he was, he was speaking for God, and because Ahab opposed that, was, was trying to follow false gods and idols, Elijah had to go into hiding. And Elijah was going to have to go and suffer alone in the wilderness, all because he was following God. But God promised that he was going to provide for him through this. As we read on, then the Lord said to Elijah, hold on, where are we at here? Yep. Okay, so Elijah did, sorry, I lost my place here. Here we are. Okay, so Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, and there's no rainfall anywhere in the land. How frustrating do you think that was? Right? Elijah, he's trying to follow God. He's trying to do what God's commanded him to do. God, God tells him to go into hiding here, and he's going to be taken care of. He's got this brook bringing him water. These ravens are going to bring him food. He's going to be taken care of. And this brook is his only means of water. And then it dries up. But Elijah knows, and what we know if we read the first verse in this, is that there was a purpose for this. There's a reason that the brook dried up, okay? Starting in verse 1, Elijah, 
he ended up telling King Ahab, he prophesied, that as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. See, now here's the biggest reason that Ahab really hated Elijah. He was bringing this prophecy from God. He's telling him that the drought's going to come on the land, um, and it's because Ahab and the people had turned away from God. They turned away, they were worshiping false gods and idols. And, as, and God, God had made a covenant with the nation of Israel, right? Uh, generations before, uh, Moses, he had led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, if you guys know that story. He led them out of slavery and brought them to the promised land where they were going to prosper, where God was going to be, he was going to be their God, he was going to be their king. And he was going to bring them that true freedom that God really wants to bring us all. But clear back then, Moses actually warned about what would happen if they turned away from God. And Moses warned him, and back in Deuteronomy, he said, The skies above will be as unyielding as bronze, and the earth beneath will be as hard as iron. The Lord will change the rain that falls on your land into powder, and dust will pour down from the sky until you are destroyed. See, God had already warned them what was going to happen if they didn't follow. They weren't obedient. They were not going to be able to prosper in the promised land without following God. Because he'd rescued them from Egypt. He wanted to be their God and their king. And like that, he wanted them to be a free people with him as their leader. But obviously, as we are reading in this story, they've turned away from God. And Elijah is the one who's assigned with reminding them of the covenant that they were breaking. So now there's this drought in the land, right? And God promised what would happen, clear back when, and everyone's suffering from it. Even Elijah, as we're seeing in the story, even Elijah's suffering from it. He's not spared. But even so, God's going to provide what's needed, okay? He'll always provide what's needed for those following his will. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to prevent suffering from people following him. It doesn't mean that um, you're, we're going to be immune from any of this stuff. But what it does mean is that God's plan is not going to be stopped. God's going to do what he's going to do. And we're going to see, exactly as we read on in this story, how God's going to provide for Elijah. Okay? Now, the second takeaway I want you to take as we, as we read further in this story is that God usually provides for us through other people, whether we like it or not. Now, I hope this is something that you guys have experienced in your life. I know this is something that I've experienced in my life. I, I can think of a number of times where I'm personally just going through a hard time or I'm struggling with something. Um, and it seems like even before I can go to somebody about it, before I can talk to anybody about it, somebody will come along or I'll get like a phone call or a text or something from somebody. And they'll just say the the thing that I needed to hear in that moment, the thing that I needed to hear from God. And I think that's just, that's how God works. He uses other people. And I think that probably most of us have experienced that. I hope you guys have. I think he wants to show us sometimes that everything's in his control. And actually, all of creation, all of his people, they're all in his control. And we even see that um, in this story as we're reading. It's not even just people that he uses we see him using animals, too. He's being fed by 
by ravens, right? And, and God uses all of his creation to, to do his work at times. I don't know about any of you that have pets. You guys have pets in here? Who has pets? We have, yes, we have two dogs, as Sharice is rooting for in the back. Um, and our dogs are brats, actually. They're, uh, let's just say it's a good thing they're cute because that's about all they have going for them sometimes. Um, but uh, have any of you experienced where um, maybe you're going through a difficult time? Um, you might not even be necessarily crying out loud or, or, or anything, but you just, your, your pet can somehow just sense that sorrow that you have and will come and comfort you, totally against their normal nature. I've seen our dogs do that, and, and so I, I just think sometimes that's God um, just showing that he's going to use anything and anyone um, to do his work, to provide for us. Now, we're going to see how God ends up using other people in this story. Okay, so the stream that was providing Elijah with water that's dried up, the drought that was prophesied is in effect, um, and then God's going to tell Elijah what to do next. Okay, so then the Lord says to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she's going to get it, he calls to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Anyone else think that's a little weird? That seems a little strange, doesn't it? Kind of forward of Elijah. I don't know if I would show up in some strange town and go up to a complete stranger and just be like, hey, uh, how about a drink and a snack while you're at it? A little odd, a little odd. You know, I, I don't think I would do that. Not as an adult anyways. Maybe, maybe a child, right? We know sometimes child have that just blunt honesty. You always know when they're hungry, right? Uh, but this, I think, is just showing, it's showing the faith that Elijah has. Okay? God led him there and told him that he was going to provide for him through this widow. But now let's see what she says. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook, to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Now, what the heck is going on here? Right? Like, God sends Elijah to this widow to help provide for him because he doesn't have any food, and she doesn't even have any. She doesn't have enough to provide for herself. Why would God do this? See, I think <clears throat> sometimes, I think God just likes to show off a little bit. He knows how to test and build our faith better than anyone. <clears throat> So this woman, she has nothing left but to cook one last meal for her and her son. But listen to what Elijah says. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. 
See, God is actually going to use this moment to show this woman something that he will provide. She shows a lot of faith in this moment. She actually does what he says. Um, She's going to use the last of her food to feed Elijah and trust that God is going to continue to provide what they need. And he does. He does this. God, see, God blesses us through, through other people is what we're, what we're really understanding in this story. God is going to not only provide for Elijah through this woman, but he's providing for this woman through Elijah. Right? Elijah's prophesied what God's going to be doing. But there's another point in this story too. Okay? While this is miraculous, we're going to read that God's, God's got a little more uh, teaching to do here. He's got a little more uh, faith growing to do. And that's because sometimes the more we experience God's provision, the more entitled we can become. See, God's not done. He's tested this woman's faith, right? She, she passed, right? Remember, she was down to nothing, thinking that she and her son were going to die of starvation. But God provided, gave her just what she needed, and he's going to grow her faith even more here. As we read on, we're going to see that sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? See, after all this, after everything she's already seen God do, she's, she's doubting now. Before Elijah showed up, Think about that. Before Elijah showed up, she was already ready to see her son die. She was ready to watch him and her die of starvation. But Elijah shows up, and God promises to provide every single day for him. And that's exactly what he does. He puts just the right amount of flour and oil in the containers that they need every day for for her to feed herself and her son and Elijah. And this happens day after day. And now she's kind of building up some expectations here. Sometimes that happens, right? We build up these high expectations. But then her son dies, and she does not get it. She's questioning God. And in fact, we're going to see that so does Elijah. But the next takeaway that we really want to understand from this story is that it's okay to question God as long as it comes from a place of faith. See, she says to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? This is what she says. This is her response. I'm sure this is probably how almost all of us would react. Don't you think? Even after God shows up, he performs this miracle of providing the food necessary every single day. Um, now she's kind of gotten comfortable with that. He's provided for her, and, and now she has this expectation. And sometimes when we build up expectations of God, we become entitled because we think that God should do things a particular way. The problem is that God doesn't work the way that we think he should. You know, in fact, it says in his word that his ways are not our ways. And so now her son is dead, and even Elijah is a loss, okay? And we're going to read on. Maybe. Can you skip to that next one for me? 
Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we read on. But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where she was staying, and laid the body on his bed. And then Elijah, he cries out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? See, Elijah, he's, he's just as lost as confused as this widow after everything that's been, been happening. He saw this woman step out in faith, provided, fed him when she didn't even have enough food for herself, trusting that God was going to continue to provide. But Elijah is not just asking in hopelessness. In fact, Elijah continues to reach out to God in faith. And it says, And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. Elijah, he didn't give up hope here. He's already seen what God can do. He's, a, he, he's seen what, what God's done in his own life, and he's seen what God's done in this situation. And he knows, as a, prophet, as a prophet of God, he knows that this is just another opportunity for God to show up, show what he can do. Because each new challenge creates an opportunity to see how God will provide So it says, the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God, and that the Lord truly speaks through you. See, God had a purpose here. He was doing something. He was growing the faith of both the widow and Elijah in this story. Now, when we, when we think about the story as we read it, I mean, I think we need to understand that this wasn't a real pleasant experience, I don't think, for them. Do you think? I, this, was, this was not an easy time that they went through. They were suffering through a drought. They barely had enough food to survive each day, right? Uh, Elijah, he's basically on the run in hiding from the king. And then through it all, they watch this widow's son suffer through an illness and then die. So while at the end we see God at work during the process of all this, it was, it was not a pleasant experience. But they did, through it all, they see God at work. They see what God provided and, and the miracles that God, that God grants us. And their faith grew, and they learned to depend even more on God um, than before. And I think, I think God uses these types of things to help us. Because he's done this in, in our lives. I'm sure most of you have, have probably experienced something um, where you've gone through a difficult time, and you've seen uh, God at work in that place, and it actually grew your faith. He uses the difficult times to help us learn and grow I think, more than the easy times. I don't think we learn as much through the easy times. I think it's just that, that, that pride we have, that hardened shell, things just, we just don't let things sink in very easily. I read, this, I read this story that I thought was really good. So there's this young boy in Sunday school, 
and he asks his teacher a question. They were reading through the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, which the Shema, you know, it talks about the greatest commandment being uh, to love God fully and, and to constantly reflect on his law, right? And in, in verse 6, it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So this kid, he asks his Sunday school teacher, he says, why doesn't it tell us to put them in our hearts and not on our hearts? The teacher told him that it isn't in our power to put these things directly in our hearts. He said, all we can do is put them on the surface of our heart so when the heart breaks, they'll drop in. I just think that that story just gives this perfect example of, of how God works in our lives. It's through brokenness that God tends to come in uh, and create a new heart, a new life. The problem is that we're born with this sin nature. And this sin nature really, really blocks us from seeing a lot of things. Um, it, it really creates this barrier. In fact, our sin does create a barrier between us and God because God is a holy God, and he's a just God. And because he's just, our sin needs to be reconciled. There has to be a consequence. There's got to be a price for that sin. And the Bible actually says that the wages, the wages of sin is death. But, but God isn't just, he isn't only just, um, and he isn't, he isn't only holy, he's also merciful. And in his mercy, God the Son stepped off of his throne. And he came down to be one of us in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived that perfect life that none of us could. And he went and paid the debt that we couldn't pay. He lived that perfect life and offers us that righteousness if we put our faith in him. And if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet for your salvation, I encourage you to do that. Because it's the most important decision that you'll make. And... Feel free to come talk to me after if that's a decision you'd like to make. Talk with somebody maybe that you came with. Come find a leader because we'd love to help you make that decision. And what it says is that if you put your faith in Jesus for your salvation, um, that his righteousness is granted to you. And this is given by the gift of grace. And it's true for anyone. This is true for anyone who believes no matter who we are. And God is going to use anything for his will. And he uses, he uses um, pain sometimes for his purpose. He used the pain of his son on the cross for a very important purpose. Will you guys pray with me? <clears throat> God, we, we, just, we just pray that today, as we've read through this story of, of what you do in these troubled times and in, in difficulties and difficult situations, um, we know that you use those things to grow us, to grow our faith. Uh, you have the bigger picture, God. You, you know what you're doing. And sometimes our faith is lacking. And we just pray uh, that, that this story would, would have an impact on us. I pray today that anybody who is going through maybe a really troubled time, a really difficult time, that this would, would provide that encouragement that they need. To know that that you will provide, that you, your plan won't be stopped. God, you, you have a way, and you're going to make your way happen. And, and we, we just, we struggle to trust in that. Our faith is, is lacking at times. 
And God, we just pray that we would, we would continue to stay in your word, to stay in prayer, to understand your truths that, that stories like this provide so that we know that you're at work in everything. You're working everything for the good of those who love you. And God, I just pray today that as we're about to have some baptisms here, that we would, we would just get some joy from this to know that some people are making this important decision um, through this, this act of baptism, showing us that they are putting their faith and their trust in you. And we're excited about this, and we just pray that, that this joy would, would carry throughout the weeks and weeks and, 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 and just provide us that, that joy that only you provide, God. And we, we're just so grateful to know you. We're grateful to know what you've done for us, what you, the work that we've seen you do in, in other people's lives and in our own lives. We just pray that we would continue to, to build that faith and to carry that into every aspect of our lives. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.